especially when I was like in my late teens, early twenties, and just like in relationship after relationship with like total asshole and, you know, getting cheated on and stuff. I would just go to the gym and just like blast like angry breakup songs. And, um, you know, that I think the book is kind of a, an angry breakup song <laughs> in book form. Yeah. So, um, Oh, so this is where the revenge plot really comes from your own, um, failed relationships that you had in your past. Is that, Oh yeah. Are we starting to get to the psychology <laughs> behind your protagonist, Joey, the 18 year old who's yeah. trying to find himself with his relationships? Yeah, you could say it's a bit autobiographical. Hi, welcome back, Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners. Today is going to be quite entertaining, quite energetic, and a real Jersey reunion. So I'm joined with author Nick DiDomizio. Thank you so much for joining us, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. And it's been months since I've done anything, um, you know, since I've done a podcast or anything to promote the book. So I'm extra excited to, uh, to talk about it after having a, a little bit of a break. Oh, wonderful. Well, and you know, it's almost your one year anniversary with Burn It All Down since it came out in May, 2021. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Which means, is there a paperback version that's coming out? So there was supposed to be one coming out in May, but they're holding off. Um, and I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> oh, okay. But I mean, like down the road, I, I hope that, you know, it can find a new audience in paperback because, you know, that's like a, a whole other readership that I, I would love to, to have the chance to connect with. But um, yeah, I don't know what's going on at Little Brown. Oh, okay. We love, well, we love them, bless them. But um, yeah, so TBD on, on the paperback, but I, I think eventually there should be. Yeah, well, so we have to start, I think, first with just the quote that is on a beautiful, um, frightening image that <laughs> is very, I don't know, kind of reminds me of like an Andy Warhol type piece with just a house ablaze, this yeah. pink house ablaze and flames shooting through the roof. And you have a James Patterson quote where he says that your novel is, and I have to read it, audacious, <laughs> addictive, highly entertaining, unforgettable with an exclamation mark. Okay. How did you get James Patterson <laughs> to endorse your novel? Um, yeah, all the adjectives. He really went, <laughs> he went all out with that blurb. Um, so it was interesting, um, and like a huge, you know, blessing, obviously to have that on a, um, on a debut novel. So, um, we love James. Basically it was a, um, it was something that happened before the book was even published, uh, when my agent was taking it out to the different publishers and we were getting, it was kind of a weird submission process because, um, 
the book follows a, it's narrated by an 18 year old um, character. And, and then the other main character is his 34 year old mother. And so we, my agent submitted it to both adult and young adult uh, publishers because we really, it could, and also some of the themes were a little more mature, but it's also because the narrator was so young, uh, we thought it could go either way. So um, most of the feedback from like most publishers was that, um, and this was an earlier version of the book, but in it, but still the same story. Um, and, you know, a lot of the adult publishers felt like it was too young. The teen publishers felt like it was too old. <laughs> and uh, we really had like trouble finding a place that that was willing to publish it. And so she submitted it to, um, an imprint at Little Brown, uh, which at the time James had recently started, where he was uh, publishing his own line of YA books. And it was rejected there, <laughs> but somehow through the process of going through their editorial um, acquisition process, uh, before it was rejected, uh, James ended up reading it and he really, um, had like all these amazing things to say about it. So he came up with the idea that um, they could publish it as an adult novel. And he said he would put his name on the cover and you know that kind of helped get a lot of attention. Um, and it, it got us the deal basically. And of course there was also like this amazing editor behind the scenes who was pushing for it um, as well. So, so yeah, it was kind of one of those, it was just a weird, kind of lucky thing that that happened that um that he he got his eyes on it before it was um before it was published and and he kept he uh kept up his end of the bargain and gave us that amazing cover quote and um yeah it was great it was it it was it was definitely a um I'm rambling because I'm reliving it all in my head right now <laughs> and uh been trying to figure out like how um you know what to say but yeah it was great and I'm um I'm still like sometimes I don't believe it when I when I look at yeah the cover no I, see that. I mean <laughs> it's incredible but also um you know I don't want to leave the others out you have Stephen Rowley who we've interviewed here I got to interview him about oh, I didn't hear that episode gunkle. yeah oh I have yeah. to listen yeah yeah we interviewed him about the gunkle I know I think you know Josh Sabera somehow Oh yeah. Yep. He's, I've interviewed I've, him. I've, <laughs> yeah. Um, cause I have to say, burn it all down does remind me, um, of Josh's enemies closer, but like, just, you know, not with the Josh doesn't have a crime spree and, um, <laughs> this almost Bonnie and Clyde type of heist going on. Right. Um, and, but the campy gay kind of yeah but the campiness the gossip <laughs> um and yeah and hannah orenstein also has a really nice yeah, quote to say great. yeah and i love blurbs and endorsements i think they're just exciting to connect all these writers together um so you mentioned about publishing and i can not ask you you do have or had I'm not sure where your status is now, but you had an extensive publishing career, didn't you? Um, 
like on the other end mm-hmm. well on the I, other end. yeah so i was at uh my most recent role was at condé nast um where i was their licensing director um which basically meant that i was i managed a team of like four people and um our role was to oversee like outside usage of all of our owned assets so a big part of that was like the vogue archive where we had all of these like iconic um you know this fashion photography uh that Mm. they own the rights to so anytime that would get used or um like allure was one of our brands that has like a really iconic (laughs) i actually have a plaque behind me the uh best of beauty awards like so stuff like that so it was totally unrelated to to my work as a as an author but um it was definitely, it was an interesting, I mean, it was a fascinating place to, to be, um, especially before the pandemic. And I would, I would run into Anna Mentor like daily. Um, yeah, you should and, see my face. Cause I am, yeah. wait, were you at the new building at One World Trade Center? Yeah. Okay. So, and because I worked on every uh, brand at the company, I was always like, and she was, she's the creative director for the whole company. So she works on every brand too. So like, you know, I would be on the Vogue floor one day and then the next day I would be on GQ or whatever. So we were always crossing paths, but it was funny because I literally would show up to work in like dad jeans and, you know, hiking sneakers and like an LL Bean fleece. Um, and like, I could just tell she was just not like, I was very much invisible to her, I'm sure. Um, she always had like her floral, like full length situation dress um, with the glasses. But uh, she did send me an email once and it was like out of the blue. It was after I had just finished um, this big project for her um, master class. She did like, you know, the online, Oh, I saw her ad on YouTube for that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we did, we did a lot of, my team did a lot of work on that because um, they used all these like old issues of Vogue to kind of, for her to teach her class. And um, yeah, one morning I came into the office and it was literally in my inbox from her and she was like, hey, Nick, or she probably didn't say hey. <laughs> I actually have a screenshot of it somewhere because I was like, I'm saving this. Like when I left Conde, I was like, oh, wow. this is the one email that I'm saving. Uh, but she was just like, you know, my masterclass comes out today and I'm so thankful that you, you know, helped us get it past the finish line. And so that was very nice. She took time out of her, um, you know, or someone on her team took time out of her schedule to send me a, a personal thank you email. So yeah, well, that and- was nice. Yeah, and I've heard her be interviewed a lot on podcasts. And, mm. you know, of course, I am sure she is such a strategist and mm. she knows how the sausage gets made, but she definitely has boundaries. And yeah, I I don't know. I don't buy all of the gossipy stories. I mean, I'm sure things have happened, but I have a feeling that she's a very in the moment, like this is what I do. Like I have to get here and isn't really chit-chatting with people. Right. No. And she's like a hard worker. Like she is in the office every day, unless she's traveling. Um, And she is there in meetings. Like she's like very hands-on with every brand at Condé, not just Vogue. Um, Yeah. Well, I didn't realize. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, and isn't she also like the global 
Oh yeah. Editor. So, right. So when I was when I was there, they kind of switched from being kind of siloed off, you know, with all the different territories and they became global and she took on a a role as the global um I guess it I think the global creative director for like all I could be misquoting that or but it definitely vogue for sure yeah, um, yeah. well and, so uh, yeah. Anna if you're out there Nick still has that screenshot and yes. maybe you can come on here Anna Wintour <laughs> and give us all the advice and you know we'll have a reunion of sorts um, oh my god but okay well and I think content asked was that the only um like magazine you worked for because I remember reading you also maybe wrote for other publications or um, had works oh, published yeah so I did it was weird I would so I had that whole kind of licensing career um but in the middle of it for two years in in 2015 and 2016 I left the industry I was working at MTV back from like 2012 to 2015 um just doing licensing for them and I took a leap of faith because I was at that point I had written my first book and it had gone nowhere and no agent wanted to touch me <laughs> because it was nonfiction and I had no platform. So my thought was like, let me try to get a job as like a staff writer at a, you know, at a magazine or a, a website. And um, no one would hire me except for this one like really trashy startup <laughs> called, um, I, I think they still exist. I don't know, Mike.com, M-I-C. Hmm. Um, and at the time they were like going viral all the time for, they were kind of like a Buzzfeed, but like really extremely comically woke um, to the point of like self-parody. Um, but they hired me. So, so I worked as a staff writer there for about a year and a half. Um, and I was like churning out articles. Like I think in a year and a half, I probably published at least 500 posts. Wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty intense. It was like a content machine. Um, but so I did sneak in some stuff that I, that I was proud of. And um, I, I kind of wrote a lot of like ridiculous humor type spins on the news. So I luckily wasn't in a sec, I was in like the relationships vertical. So I was writing mostly about like sex toys and, you know, just random shit. So it, it wasn't like the rest of their content, but um, yeah, I mean, it was a learning experience. I definitely learned how to write fast on a deadline and, um, you know, self edit and like skills that, you know, definitely come in handy when you're writing fiction. Yeah, was this in Manhattan where you would the uh, the office yeah. space was? Actually, it was also in One World Trade. Oh wow! <laughs> so yeah, it started. They had an office in the West Village, but then we moved to One World Trade. Um, so yeah, when I started at Condé a few years later, it was like a a weird kind of homecoming. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like to learn about writing um, on sex toys. 
Yeah. <laughs> Were you just going up and down Times Square to those like adult sex toys shops to um, do your insider research? <laughs> no, they they would like the the whole sex toy industry. They have very aggressive PR people. Um, and they are still sending me emails and pitches wow. and trying to like send me free things. I'm like, I really do not write about this anymore. <laughs> I promise it will uh, like you will not get anything in return if you send me a free dildo. Um, oh but uh, yeah, <laughs> it was also like I wrote about, you know, marriage and, you know, other issues. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, wow. OK, you had such an interesting background for everything that's to come and burn it all down. And I'm just curious, were you, you mentioned your first book that didn't get picked up. Is that right. still kind of in a holding pattern or you've put it to the side now that you uh, have burned it all down? That's a great question because for a long time, like when I first gave up on that book, I did say to myself, like, all right, I'll just hold it for now. And then hopefully down the road, I can, do something with it. Um, I think now I, it's just probably, it was a learning experience. It, well, I don't think I want it to see the light of day. Um, <laughs> and then I wrote another book also um, in between. Uh, so Burn It All Down was like the third full book that I had finished. Um, the second one, it was interesting because it, uh, I actually did get an offer on it last summer after burn it all down came out and which is people think i'm crazy but i turned it down um because it was i mean a it wasn't like a life-changing amount of money like if they had offered me you know like a million dollars i would have been like go go right ahead please publish it but it was just like a very modest deal and it was um you know it, it was a book that i wrote that was the best I could do at the time. But when I read it now, I just don't connect with it at all. And to promote a book, you have to be like, you have to be at least a little proud of it and you have to, you know, like it. Um, and I just didn't feel like I could do that with that book. So, um, so yeah, there were two failed books leading up to Burn It All Down. And um, Burn It All Down was, was interesting because the other two I spent like years on really and um you know writing it just in my nights and weekends and stuff and um burn it all down I really just kind of blew through the first draft in like three months um like waking up at 4 a.m before Vogue <laughs> and like writing for a few hours every morning and then like weekends just gave up my social life um and just did it as quickly as I could because at that point I was like all right if this if this last book doesn't go anywhere I think I have to just stop trying to make it happen because it's like so much you put so much work up front you know um when you're trying to get published and there's no guarantee that that it'll go anywhere so it you after doing it a few times you start to feel a little delusional like why am I putting forth all this effort for uh for zero guarantee um as much as like you know as writers we love writing but there's definitely a breaking point, I think, when your end goal is to be published. Um, so uh, yeah, thankfully, Burn It burn it All Down was the one that that hit and I didn't have to. <laughs> yeah, well, and thank goodness that Little Brown picked it up because, you know, let's jump right into Burn It All Down. I mean, I have to just ask because I'm such a fan of music and mm -hmm. I literally looked up 
songs that had burn or fire in them. And there's like hundreds of yeah. songs. But of course, right, the number one that comes to our mind is Burning Down the House. Oh, yes, which is not even on my official Burn It All Down playlist, which seems oh, like I didn't know you had a, a ghastly oh. oversight. Um, oh, yeah, it's on my um, link tree. There's a link to it. But um, oh, OK, well, I'll, I'll have, have to, to link to one. the playlist. But you don't have Burning Down the House. I know, right? <laughs> With the cover that I have. you. Would, you oh, would no, now like... <laughs> you have to, you know, add it and then credit me. No. Right. <laughs> but um, no, I know. Also, when I was talking to my students about this interview, a lot of them mentioned the Adele song um, oh, about Sapphire to, to the Rain. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of music was like a, a huge part of the inspiration for the book, really, because um, like I, you know, especially when I was like in my late teens, early 20s and just like in relationship after relationship with like total asshole and you know getting cheated on and stuff I would just go to the gym and just like blast like angry breakup songs and um you know that I think the book is kind of a, an angry breakup song <laughs> in book form yeah so um oh so this is where the revenge plot really comes from your own um failed relationships that you had in your past is that oh yeah are we starting to get to the psychology <laughs> behind your protagonist joey the 18 year old who's yeah. trying to find himself with his relationships yeah you could say it's a bit autobiographical um for anyone who doesn't know the basic setup of the story is um this you know young gay guy uh who lives with his single mom who's also very young um he breaks up with his boyfriend who's been cheating on him and the mom goes through the same thing with the guy she's seeing and they decide to uh to get some revenge and it kind of snowballs out of control uh from there but, but um yeah so the beginning uh you know where he he finds out his boyfriend was like hooking up with his uh straight roommate uh straight roommate uh, um you know that was like a complete autobiographical moment uh from my own history and uh I kind of used it as like a jumping off point um and obviously the rest is completely fictionalized but uh yeah oh, so was... you didn't take a you didn't take a baseball <laughs> bat and then start smashing windows well there's like there's some truth like I did have some unhinged episodes when I was younger um, I was definitely the crazy ex, maybe in one or two situations. Um, but that was why I, I really loved writing this book was because I was able to view it from so many years later being like, now I'm just like the most boring person in like an eight year relationship and there's no drama really. Um, I mean, there might have been some in the beginning, but <laughs> I'm very like, it's just such a different life uh, compared to what I was like when I was, you know, younger. I was able to look at it from a perspective of like a more level-headed adult. And um, so it made it really fun to kind of give a character the chance to mature uh, through their mistakes um, 
in, in a way that I, you know, for me, it took much longer because I didn't let it snowball so much out of control that I had to like, you know, really face my self-destructive uh, tendencies, you know, all at once, like, like he does in the book. But, um, but yeah, so it, so that was, you know, it, it, it's always kind of like with a lot of, I think, writers, there's always some kernel of, um, mm -hmm. of real life that kind of gives you the inspiration. So, so that was definitely the case here. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like there's been enough years, I'm assuming that anything that you say will not be held against you, hopefully in a court of law. Now. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Right. So, um, I mean, I am curious though, like how long ago are we talking about with your, <laughs> like you, you uh, call it your episodes or. <laughs> you know, your angst maybe with right. So well, boyfriends. I graduated. Yeah. Um, I graduated high school in 2006. So there's been a good. Granted, it probably wasn't until like my mid 20s that I really became like a sane person. So we'll say like 06 to like 2014 was maybe the well, no, maybe 2013. I met my partner in 2014 and I was pretty much good by then. We, we had a few incidents <laughs> early on, but, um, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, there's like 15 years of, um, or I guess I wrote the book in 2019. So there was like, you know, 10 to, um, to 14 years of distance from like when I was like that hot headed <laughs> person who, yeah was drawn to like the worst you know types of people because the other thing and I think a lot of young people go through this too is that like it was partially on me that I was like th there were plenty of nice guys that wanted to you know go out with me and I you know I would go out with you know very like in retrospect guys that were like would have been really um great in a relationship but it's like I would always just kind of those they were like invisible to me <laughs> and I would just like go right to the one who was like trouble you know and um I think it's, so you had this like gay bad boy fetish exactly it, right and I think a lot of people you know have to go through that to an extent before they can recognize it um and you know and that was that's also in the book was kind of uh I had a sing I was raised by a single mother and she had a very similar issue. Like when I was really young, you know, I would see her with these men that were just like, not um, nice people, you know? And I would just be like, why is she with this guy? Like every time she like brought a new man home, <laughs> I would be like, come on, can't you just like date like one good guy? And I just didn't understand it until I became old enough to start dating. And then, you know, you realize that when you're in it and you're with someone like that, you you just ignore the red flags entirely. And, and you don't really understand that you're, um, you know, that that you're doing that. So, um, yeah. so that was also kind of a, a theme of the book. Yeah. And I mean, we really see that with, so Joey and Gia is his mother. And I think she must have been, like 17, 16 when she had Joey? Yeah, it was a teen mom situation. So she was 16, um, which 
I think, you know, helps, especially in the editing process, there were, you know, some moments where, um, like my agent or my beta readers would say, you know, shouldn't Gia be a little more of a like good influence? <laughs> and I, and I like, I was like, well, no, that's the whole point is that like when you, you know, when you're so close in age and you're like, you, you're really learning together. Like, mm. and um, I think that was something that I wanted to show that like, just because she's the parental figure, it doesn't necessarily mean that like she has all of her shit figured out too. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, like she could have been a little older, but um, I think for the way the story was, it it worked with with them being so close in age. And, um, you know, it was, it's really like more, it's a mother-son relationship, but it's also very much like a friendship, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And that really comes out and the, Um, I mean, there's a lot of drama between them and friction that eventually happens that I'm not going to spoil, but, um, you know, lies that she would told and Joey starts to unravel her past, Mm -hmm. but the dynamic of this bond that they share, this intimacy, I mean, is that something you experience? Like, are you, um, Oh yeah. I'm not, I'm trying not to use the off quoted phrase mama's boy but like are you are you as tightly intertwined with your mother okay hold on to that question because we'll be right back but first a word from our sponsor another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, yeah, I, that the characters were very much, um, you know, it's not exactly the same, but a lot of it is, um, you know, growing up, uh, you know, a lot of times it was just my mom and me and us figuring things out together. And, um, you know, she was not to say she wasn't like a parent and not to say Gia is not a, a parent, but there's just a different kind of vibe when it's, I think, um, you know, when when you're close in age and when you're gay, like it's a totally different thing than like, you know, a straight kid with like a normal family. <laughs> um, and And it was, so yeah, like a lot of times, like the relationship between my mom and I growing up, it was very much like Lorelai Gilmore and <laughs> Rory Gilmore uh, in the Gilmore Girls. And I remember watching that show and being like, feeling like represented mm. <laughs> in a way, but then mm. it was like, oh, well, you know, they they show this and there's other examples of that, like very close mother-daughter bond um, in pop culture too. Like there were a lot of great Natalie Portman movies in the early 2000s that I feel like 
showed that um but the, like it's rare to see it with a gay son and a and a young single mom so um since that was my experience i wanted to kind of bring it to the story um so uh so yeah i mean it's not totally autobiographical like obviously i embellished quite a few and made up you know a whole ridiculous story um that i hoped would be entertaining but yeah there was some some element of wanting to just show that um because it's uh i think it's a special relationship but it's one that you know isn't very commonly portrayed yeah yeah and um are you an only child nick i'm not i actually have oh. a an older brother but he was kind of uh I mean, he was in the picture too. Like the three of us lived in the same, under the same roof. <laughs> but uh, he was kind of off doing his own thing. He had like, uh, you know, a lot more friends and stuff and um, he was straight. <laughs> so there uh, there was kind of, for, for the purposes of, of like a story like this, it was like, there was no need for a straight brother. Love my brother uh, in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how did <laughs> but, he respond to this novel? <laughs> Do you remember uh, when your brother and your mom too, yeah. what their feedback was <laughs> to your novel? Um, I think he was probably relieved. I don't think he would want me to write a book where uh, <laughs> where he was factored in as like a, a character. So I think his was relief. Um, her, I was a little nervous, you know, cause I, um, I waited until I had an arc hmm. and then I let her read that. Um, and thankfully she loved it and she thought it was really you know fun and entertaining and it took a minute to because she's she doesn't really read a lot of fiction she's more of like a non-fiction and like self-help type book person okay so I kind of had to explain to her like this is a made-up story you may see some similarities to real life but I promise that it is made up um and you know don't read too much into anything but you know of course she she connected a lot of the dots and like she would text me and be like oh my god I remember like when you know this exact moment or something uh and you know we had a few conversations um but luckily she ended up being like its biggest cheerleader so that was a relief because I was I was nervous yeah well and Joey and Gia I mean I'm an only child but um um you know, I wasn't raised by a single mom, though, because that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to, you know, throw myself in the ring for right, any right. possible <laughs> burn it all down. I mean, <laughs> you know, I would be an old Joey because I'm almost 30. But, <laughs> you know, well, you know, that's how it goes in Hollywood. Yeah, And I get my facial rejuvenation treatment. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, right. but all jokes aside, <laughs> I am curious if um has there been talk speaking of Hollywood or, you know, TV? I'm always like, that's always a question I have for any writer, just because yeah. I know it's a hot button issue, which is getting your book acquired. Right. So um, I think I can say this. So I'll, I'll say, I'll say it, it was optioned. Um, which is amazing. And it was like, that was like a huge dream come true. I don't think I can say like by who um, and any other details, but, uh, but yeah, there is a um, production team that's 
working on it right now. So my fingers are like extremely crossed that um, they can get it to into development, um, you know, before the option expires Uh, or that, you know, that they can do something. Cause I know it's right now it's in that phase where it's like, there's a team that's working on it and they're really into it, but they have to, um, you know, they have to find the backing to, Mm -hmm. to make it happen. And um, yeah, there were some, before we signed the option deal that we did, there was actually a, um, like a nine month period where the book was exclusively with Lady Gaga for consideration to see if she would attach as to play the role of Gia, which would have been so perfect. She would have been wonderful. I know. I can see it now. It was like the dream scenario. And after all that time of like whatever her team was, you know, I guess they were going back and forth and uh, they ended up passing in the end. But um, so that was like, (laughs) but that would have been, you know, a, a total dream, but the the situation we ended up in is also really great, and I cannot wait to hopefully um, you know see it come to fruition and actually be able to talk about it in more detail and sh- publicly yeah. announce the. I hope you know, so too. The details. No, I hope so too. I can't wait. Hopefully, there'll be an update. Um, you know, you can even throw me <laughs> into that party. In yes. upstate New York, that happens. <laughs> no, I'll but, um, offline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but well, I'm also thinking maybe Lady Gaga. I'm sure this was during the whole, like, um, she had probably just finished House of Gucci, right? Oh yeah, it was actually before. It was. It was. The timing sucked because it was shortly after she, um, like committed to house of gucci so this was like a couple of years ago mm. like before it was published and um you know so at least we got it over with before it came out <laughs> so i didn't feel like i missed out on too much opportunity while it was exclusively with her team but um but yeah so so then it came out and that's when we um we landed with the team that we did yeah yeah so, well i have to ask did you ever hear from her or no it was yeah. just um I don't even know if it, I, I'm still very unclear on how all of that works. Like if, if the reason it took so long was because she had to like make up her mind or if it was like people in her camp that were just waiting for the right moment or something, it's all so confusing. Yeah. And there are so many, and that's, but I think for the general public, they don't realize how many people are in the camp of a celebrity like that. Oh my God. Yeah. And like, like they to it actually get to the celebrity. Right. It's and not like my, a one-to-one ratio. Right. And um, my film agent is at the same agency as her talent agent. So CAA. Um, and so like, at first I was like, oh, this is great. It's all, we're all in the same family, you know, <laughs> she'll read it right away. But, um, but yeah, there's just so many different layers. And I mean, their, their lives are like, scheduled you know several years into the future and there's all kinds of different things so um you know yeah it's hard to get a star to attach to a film project that is something I have learned from her and some of the other 
experiences. Um, yeah, but maybe you could get a real housewife of New Jersey as Gia. <laughs> to make her Melissa Gorga. Yes. I could see it though, because they have that personality. Full on. Actually, Melissa. I think I just did your casting for you. <laughs> I'm sure she wants to act. Yeah, it could be really interesting. I mean, you know, well, we have to speak of Jersey because New Jersey is the character, you know, who is um, full of all the twists and turns um, before Joey and Gia flee to um, Lake George in upstate New York. but okay, so were you raised in Bayonne, New Jersey? No. That's oh, okay. A lot of, um, like most people would probably think because I've adopted Jersey as like such a, um, I mean, I loved it. So I, I was raised in Connecticut um, and went to college there, um, went to grad school at NYU. Okay. And um, it, I didn't move to Jersey until I was 26. And it was just because I started seeing my partner um, and he lived in Jersey City, like kind of right over the river from New York. And uh, at the time I was living in Stamford, Connecticut, I did not have any interest in becoming a Jersey person. I was like hoping he would move to, <laughs> like to be with me, but it didn't work out that way. Um, so our... Uh, so yeah, our first year together, we we lived in a um, in like an apartment in downtown Jersey City, and that was basically just like living in New York. Um, I did. Yeah, I call like, that like one of the boroughs of Manhattan. Basically. Yeah, it felt like a that's borough. not even Jersey, right? <laughs> like, kind so of Jersey. Yeah, it's yeah. Like technically, but yeah, you don't feel like I didn't feel any different. Um, but then we moved to this kind of like private community on the like Bayonne line. So it was like totally disconnected from downtown. And the only really like the the place we went to do everything was Bayonne. Like our, got our gas in Bayonne. <laughs> we went grocery shopping in Bayonne. Like we went out to eat in Bayonne. So I felt like I lived in Bayonne. And the more time I spent there, the more it just reminded me of like, where I came from, which was like more like not like the nice part of Connecticut. I know people hear Connecticut and they think like, you know, Greenwich. Yeah, they um, think of yeah, old Greenwich and right. Westport and the Waspy yeah. culture. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I grew up uh right outside of Hartford. And um it was like both my sets of grandparents immigrated from Italy, and like in Hartford back in the day, there was this street called Franklin Avenue, which was basically like the little Italy, which is where, um, you know, my grandparents originally kind of started raising my parents. Mm. Um, And then like, by the time I was born, they were outside of Hartford and kind of everyone left Franklin Avenue. But it was still like a big place we would go, um, you know, to get our pastries and to go out to eat and they would have like festivals and stuff. Um, so Bayonne basically reminded me of that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like I totally feel so at home here. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of, I mean, it was also similar too, because like, it was like, it's a city where there were a lot of like old school Italian 
families and over the years you know people kind of leave I think like this the trajectory is like you go from Staten Island then to Bayonne then to like somewhere in you know suburban Jersey um so it reminded me a lot of Franklin Avenue in that you know there were a lot of like old Italians but you could tell it wasn't quite what it used to be and um yeah. you, if you it, can you go to Wayne New Jersey right yeah <laughs> there's like that I'm from South Jersey so like I grew up in a very Italian American suburb but like families moved from South Philly to then right. like all the South Jersey neighborhoods so like Anytime your character mentions like an Italian dessert, yeah, <laughs> I exactly like know what you're talking right. about. But yeah, and okay, so you had some insider knowledge of Bayonne. And yeah, Bayonne, I think it's fair to say it's working class Italian American traditionally. Yeah. Um, but and I know it's changed the demographics. Right. Um, but like, please tell me you know the Short Hills area. <laughs> uh yeah well so that would be i mean we love to golf um my partner and i so okay we lived in jersey um i mean there's a really good golf course in bayonne but it's like impossible to to get into uh it's a private club so we would always have to drive like i i don't know if we like played any courses in short hills but we would go out to like westfield and certain areas um madison Mm. um and like that around there and and so we would end up at the short hills mall sometimes and uh yeah that was an area of jersey where when we um before the pandemic we didn't know where we wanted to move um we there was like we were thinking connecticut or jersey and we like we looked at some of those areas so freaking expensive even before the pandemic i can only imagine now because real estate has just gone insane uh since the pandemic but um but yeah so we like that was like an area we like sometimes talked about like oh you know if we want to stay in jersey and still work in the city type of thing so uh we drove around there a lot and um but yeah i never like lived there Um, well i asked because i went to kane which is only 15 10 well 15 minutes it's in union kane so like Oh, okay. I had a date in Milburn, like <laughs> learned about, I would like drop off my friend who worked at the Short Hills Mall. Mm. Now I have an undergrad. My mentor lives in Chatham. So like I always pass oh. through. But, yeah. So like I know Short Hills really well. Like, um, so I loved how Short Hills became this yeah. big <laughs> figure. I'm like, <laughs> someone else recognizes its beauty. Um, right. But no, it's like, and it's like a very small area, but Right. Yeah, the amount of wealth, but it's also around a lot of middle class areas. So it's a really interesting. Yeah. You know, upper middle class ish place. Right. It's very like that's what I felt like when we lived in Jersey. It was, it was, it was so interesting because we would, you know, go from like one extreme to the other, just like (laughs) in the course of like a couple miles. Yeah. Um, And. And so it it definitely, when I was writing this story and I was so, and I think one thing with me too is like, when I'm writing setting, it's easier for, (laughs) maybe this is just laziness, but it's easier for me to just write like what I know the best. And 
I mean, at the time when I was writing this, we had been in Jersey for like five years at that point. And it was like, you know, my daily routine was like, I was at Bayonne getting my hair cut. I was going to get a bagel. Like, and it's so, like, I had my like hairdresser who kind of wasn't like Gia, but she was partially, you know, inspired that whole uh, aspect of her life. Because yeah, yeah. um, my mom was was not a hairdresser. But um, so yeah, it was like, I was very much like living my life. And then when I would go into the manuscript, I would be like, all right, well, let me just put this little nugget from this weekend when we were in Short Hills or whatever. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was just very much a result of me living there. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe you should have eventually an extravagant party at the Short Hills Hilton. Yeah. Because that, my parents <laughs> stayed there like when I was at Kane. Love it. You know, that's in your future, Nick. I'll come. I'll be the first right. person there. I'm um, trying to remember if I've been to, I don't think I've been to that. I've, I've been to a couple of weddings, New Jersey weddings that were in hotels. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't but that area, that was- I mean, I love the nature in Morris County, especially like mm. Summit, Chatham. Oh my God. Yeah. All those, the nature, the trails. Oh yeah. So yeah. good shout out for that. And I guess we really helped Shore Hills tourism and you did yes. in your book, except there's a fire and a house, well, you, you know. know, crumbles to the ground. There's so, some crime. Yeah, there's some Light crime. Um, and you do shout out Rutgers, which I know New Jerseyans are going to be really excited about, um, <laughs> except a Parsippany campus, which I'm the- not sure what the Parsippany campus is in Rutgers. The per- oh no, you mean the Piscataway? I mean, sorry, not Persephone, yeah. Piscataway. <laughs> I'm just like combining all the towns. Yeah, Piscataway. I mean, I always just think New Brunswick. Yeah, I, you know, I think that came from, uh, so when we were in New Jersey, at one point I actually worked at Audible, um, like the audiobook. Oh, yeah. And they're actually based in Newark. Oh, and okay. I think we had like an intern or something who, would like went to <laughs> Rutgers and was like had most of her classes at the Piscataway campus <laughs> like literally everything I pulled was just like from yeah. anecdotal like yeah. you know, oh, with- so okay yeah no you've ignited my memory that's right the Piscataway is like a um what do they call them like a flagship a flagship yeah a, small, not- a very small flagship yeah not the main yeah yeah um, the main is New Brunswick Satellite, thank you. But I've been to the Rutgers Nork and the Rutgers Camden is near where I grew up. So, okay, Uh, shout out to Rutgers. Yes, we love Um, Rutgers. We love Rutgers, yeah. (laughs) Even though that's not the state school I went to, but uh, (laughs) don't want to get into too much of a competition here. Love all the state schools in Jersey. There you go. But, you know, as we're ending, I mean, I have to just ask you about well, you brought up that you worked for Audible. I feel like you've worked for every everything, every just, like literary company. Um, yeah. But Mark Sanderlin, who does your audiobook, is so fascinating. I am cracking up. I've it really is like I'm listening to a radio drama. Yeah, like a high stakes radio comedy in a way. Um, yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm sure you listen to samples like when they were auditioning? Oh, you know, actually I was not involved at all. I don't know oh. if it was cause I just didn't ask or I don't know what it was, but um, I literally didn't hear the audiobook until it was published. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So, and like the first thing I saw was Mark's name and I wasn't familiar with him at that point, but I remember thinking like, oh no, he doesn't have an Italian last name. (laughs) Is he going to be able to like get everything, you know, the way that I want it to sound? And, um, and he nailed it. I mean, he really did a great job. He's such like an actor with his voice um, that, yeah, he really got all the characters. I loved his, uh, his Nona (laughs) voice. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. And how he distinguishes like social class, especially from the Manhattan vacationers in Lake George, especially Will. Right. like for all of you out there, eventually there's some kind of fling between Joey um, <laughs> and Will. Um, and, you know, especially with their dynamic, we're kind of going full circle now. Right. Was that the type of um, moment where you really wanted to have Joey find uh, his good boy, like this good guy <laughs> who is intelligent is reading this obscure history book when he first sees him and maybe makes it past his bad boy phase right yeah i think everyone has to have that moment um or everyone who's been caught up in the bad boy thing um you know there's always a moment where you finally realize like there's a difference between like nice and boring like you can be a, like, there are nice guys out there. And just because they're not like treating you like shit and making you like check your phone 50 times a day and like withholding affection and all of those things, it doesn't mean they're boring. It just means they're, you know, normal. And um, it's possible to be attracted to, <laughs> to a nice guy, um, you know, when, when there's attraction. It's not, uh, I don't know, it's just one of those things where um, it's it, it's like one thing to hear it, but to actually experience it and like find a connection with someone like that um, is, you know, it's obviously much more effective. So yeah, I, I needed him to, to meet like a decent person who he was actually attracted to, to kind of have that moment where he realizes like, okay, this isn't like every guy. Mm. Um, it's- yeah it's just the types of guys that for some reason, you know, he's been drawn to previously. Yeah. So well, that was and, very fun. And he's write. really drawn to the straight man he can't have, Robbie. Oh yeah. yeah Which, yeah. you know, I think in the gay world, there's a certain element of that. Yeah, there's a relatability <laughs> oh, there. No, no, I understand. Um, you know, I'm in the gay world, um, right. but yeah, I think, you have so much nuance with these relationships. Um, Joey's psychology, um, Gia's psychology of, right? They're both trying to, I mean, you have the house image burning, but like they themselves are being leveled to the ground psychologically. So yeah. it works so well from Thank the get go. Yeah. yeah, it's all about um, how we can be self-destructive as yes. humans, you know, when we we think we're doing something that's going to make us feel better, but there's a very fine line <laughs> between, uh, you know, catharsis and, and self-destruction. Exactly. Um, and there, for all of you out there, like there is 
a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, it's like, a very it's not happy. all yes, yes, not everything gets um you know burns up in flames. Right. Um well, Nick, anything you know what I do when I end on is actually what would you really hope readers take away from burn it all down? Like cuz you are combining so many exciting genres together. Um yeah, it's I know that's the thing that with this book it's like impossible to <laughs> to put one genre on it. Um but uh what do I hope people honestly just a the first and foremost is I hope people have fun reading it. That's always my goal as a reader. Like I I read every genre, like I love thrillers, I love literary fiction, I love fluffy rom-coms, uh like beach reads like literally everything I as long as it's like entertaining um so that is number one was just I hope it's like an experience that someone is like oh I'm so excited to like jump back into this book because it's so much fun uh and then beyond that just a uh you know a little bit of a um some self-reflection if, you know, I know we're all at different places on our journey, but, um, you know, certainly when it comes to like fellow gays and women um, like Gia and Joey, uh, you know, some reflection on like, what are the patterns that I have and the types of guys that I'm into and, you know, are they healthy? Or, I mean, for anyone who's like on my side of it, hopefully it's more just like fun cringing at, our past selves <laughs> and like, oh shit, yeah, I don't miss <laughs> being young and messy. Um, but anyone who is young and messy, hopefully it, you know, it helps them kind of see things from a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. Well, on that note, thank you, Nick. This was so exciting. And thank you. Of, yes, yes. And all of you out there, either get your hands on Burn It All Down link in the show notes or listen to the audiobook read by Mark Sanderlin um, yes, on Audible. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And at Nick's alma mater. So yes. <laughs> head to Audible. <laughs> Shout out to all the Audible folks. We love them. I do. Um, I love Audible. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. And bye everyone listening. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime in Academia. Welcome to our summer season. We made it to summer 2022. I am here with Mary DePippi. Hi, Mary. Hello. So we have some really exciting updates. First, I want to announce our new team. We thank Jaren Usta for all of her work as the marketing director. Jaren is leaving and going into really exciting projects with her own research. So congratulations, Jaren. So for our new team, well, I'm Andrew Rimby, the executive director. Mary DePippi is our chief contributor. Uh, Nicole Arguello is our marketing assistant. And Kimberly Dallas is our editor. So yay, our interns have positions. Okay. Yay. Um, please, please follow us on social media. We Mary posts so many creative things on her True Crime and Academia. How can they follow True Crime, Mary? At True Crime and Academia on Instagram and TikTok. Okay. 
And then you can follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Twitter at Ivory Boiler Room and at Ivory Tower Boiler Room on, ready? Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Okay. And you can email us. Um, we love to get pitched some episode ideas. So to do that, if you're a publicist out there, maybe you want to get one of your authors on our show, go to ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com. Uh, thank you to our audience, to our listeners. We're really excited because we have a lot going on on our Patreon. So Mary, do you want to maybe update everyone on our Patreon account? Yes. So aside from the content that we've already been giving you, we will also be having extra special episodes Um, specifically for true crime. I will be having an extra bonus episode every month starting in June. <gasps> yeah. And the only same get that yes. if you are a subscriber. Yes. So patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. That's it. Just slash ivory tower boiler room. And Easy. we already have a lot of bonus material first. There is a full episode um, with Ursula Klein in our book corners. So you're going to see all of these new special series that are going to pop up in the summer on Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Yes, Mary will do it too on True Crime and Academia. You can listen to a teaser on our podcast, but guess where the whole interview is? On our Patreon. So only a cup, not a cup, but <laughs> a large cup of iced coffee um, at any of our favorite coffee companies, um, you only have to pay $5 a month. So please join. We will recognize all of you who join. We'll shout you out during the summer. Um, you can see our video interviews too. And if you want to become an ivory tower, $15 a month, three cups of iced coffee, uh, member, you actually will get our tote bag, our t-shirt, um, there's more. There's more. Oh, our mug. Cup. I'm drinking from our mug. <laughs> I should, <laughs> for everyone who will see this, I'm actually holding it up. It's a very cool mug. So we are so excited for all of you to join us this summer. I love hearing from all of you. I know Mary loves hearing from all of you. Direct mm -hmm. message us. We read them. And yeah, check out our social media because we post so many clips from the shows. And I started to kind of finesse my way around TikTok. So Mary sees <laughs> how excited I get when I know how to add music and all these filters. <laughs> so um, on that note, um, please, please join us for our Instagram events this summer. We have a monthly book club every month. We have our book club and we're going to start having television recaps. Um, we're going to have another open mic poetry event at pen and brush. So stay tuned. I think we might have a Halloween party, but just someone told me that. Okay. A little birdie, little birdie. Okay. I think we got it all, Mary. So, I think so. on that note, let's put a bookmark in this. Yep. Bye everyone. Bye. Hold tight.